0: Hello and welcome. My name's Adam Horn. I'm creative director at Berg Studio and today I'm joined by Michael Anito. How are you, Michael?
1: Hi there, Adam. And hi, hi everyone who's listening.
0: So, today we're going to we're going to introduce a new podcast series, and uh, we'll be talking a whole bunch of stuff about strategy. So, Michael, tell us how you fit into the into the wider Berg's family.
1: So, you may be wondering why uh, we decided to put this podcast together in a world full of podcasts. Really, as Adam and I were talking about um, the next semester at Bergs and how we change um, what we teach to reflect what's going on in the world, um, we realized how difficult it actually is to take the, a strategic view on things that basically you can't be strategic about. It's a challenge to see what is strategy and what is can be seemingly chaotic behavior and actions by brands and entities and individuals. But most brands, entities and individuals are following some strategy. Um, A lot of things don't just happen by chance. And so what we'd like to do here is maybe explore the questions that should be asked by uh, strategists um, rather than just delve into the answers. Uh,
0: so Michael, I'm going to ask you a few, a few little questions about that. And I think they're probably pretty common ones, uh, that you probably get, but really it's just like, I mean, I guess if you're listening to this podcast, it might be really nice to just get a, a, a definition of what is strategy or how would you define strategy?
1: Um, I think that's a brilliant question, Um, because I think it's um, uh, very similar to how do you define creativity? Um, I think the the start point of strategy is that um, it's about intent, Um, which is to mean to say that um, strategy really needs to have a purpose. That's really the start point. Um, yeah, absolutely. And uh, actually, have, knowing what that purpose is, knowing what that goal is, is really half the really half the uh, job. Um, and then the, the the second half of the the job, the second half of you know, like my definition of strategy is how do you get there um, and beyond. And I think the and beyond part is the thing that's inherent with digital strategy, right? Because it's really not about the space that you're trying to move into. It's also the space that is kind of like undiscovered, the space that is, um, unimagined, uh, the kind of possibilities that you get to, or that you see, um, when you actually define what it is you're trying to do and how you kind of get, there. um, And I think that is, of course, you can go on, see the um, Merriam-Webster definition of strategy and so on. But I think really just having that almost kind of high-level, holistic, but also forward-thinking definition um, allows anyone, really anyone, to be strategic. What is it I'm trying to do? What's the best way of kind of like getting there? And how do I recognize where I can go to after I get?
0: Yeah. I mean, like, I, I'm a, like, my background's in cre- working in advertising creative and doing, working on a whole bunch of creative sides of projects. And it's like, the thing that I find really interesting is like, strategy is the why, on like, or working out the why. And the why doesn't really change. Um, the how changes. And especially mm-hmm. if you look at the context of like, you know, digital advertising, you need to really accept the fact that um, there's only so much foresight you can kind of have. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, there's no mm-hmm. point making a, a five year plan for social media or for digital platforms because like the world is pretty unpredictable or the digital space is a little bit unpredictable. You know, if you start to look more too far ahead.
1: It's really funny because uh, uh, the, how I got into strategy, it sounds really weird, um, uh, was uh, I was basically taught a life lesson by my mum. That's very cute. Um, uh, well, I didn't think it was cute at the time because, you know, you're a teenager and, you know, everything that your parents says is, you know, completely wrong because they don't understand you. And they don't understand the world. Of course. Um, um, But one thing I actually, one of the things I remember, my mum passed away quite a few years ago, but one of the things that I remember um, is that she always used to say, and this sounds strange, she always used to say, um, whatever you do, buy a house in Hackney. Hackney's in London, in the United Kingdom. Um, And at the time of growing up, Hackney was a pretty rough place. Um, And also uh being one of six kids in a relatively small house uh one of the main things i wanted to do was like you know get the hell out of
0: there <laughs> Completely. Um,
1: but she said and I, on numerous occasions whatever you do the first uh, money you get put it down buy a house in heaven. um and I just remember kind of like ignoring this, you know, and then going to school, doing my GCSEs, doing my um, A-levels, going off to university, doing computation in French, which is what kind of got me into digital strategy to start off with and the whole kind of like digital uh, aspect of things, um, just because I was a bit of a a geek. Um, And... At this time, you know, we grew up in Thatchers, Britain. Um, uh, so you think, right, okay, I really need to like buy a house. Yes. Um, I really need to own property. It's just one of those things that's ingrained. And of course, by the time I get back from university, um, uh, have my first job, um, and I start to think of, okay, what can I afford? And where's the best place to, where's the best place to live? Well, where I could afford... Um, wasn't Hackney, uh, and Hackney was the best place to live. Um, And unfortunately, if I just kind of started squirreling money away, um, um, I could have had that deposit. Um, And now it's just completely beyond. But that's not the point. The point was, before going into my, um, you know, picking which job and which profession I wanted to go into, I just remember thinking, what is it that, mummy knew um yeah you know in order to like make this like 10 year prediction of exactly what would happen in this um uh what would happen with property prices in this place that i wanted to get out get out of and it wasn't rocket science right so she knew about gentrification yep um she she looked at the um the positioning of uh the borough Um, uh, in relation to the city of London, transport links, loads of green spaces, you know, places where people want to go. Yeah. um, And also the fact that actually there's pretty good schools around. You know, we went to a nice Roman Catholic school and so on. So what she did was just like synthesize a bunch of information and thought, right, you know what, your strategy, (laughs) you know what I mean? Yeah, completely. Coming back to London um uh this is where you want to go you you know what i think your objective is is get in the house because that's what you do in britain and how you do that is you get a foothold in the place that you recognize and you start saving straight away um uh and i just remember always it still kind of like rings around my head which is like whilst you can't predict stuff if you if you spend time with information and spend time, you know, looking through, um, uh, looking through what kind of like makes itself apparent, but also, and this is the really important thing, um, strategy and everything to do with communications is about people. Yes, one so hundred percent. It, because it's really kind of, and you see it when you know all the books that are part of my course and. Um, and, you know, you the, 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 uh, kind of like processes and the methodologies and all of that stuff, it's really easy to lose sight of the fact that actually we're just talking about people. We're talking about communicating things to people, um, and in, and trying to get people to do stuff. Um, um, and I think you can make pretty good guesses if you just kind of like sit down, think about it and parse that information. Um, so strategy for me, uh, and particularly digital strategy is becoming more and more like this big experiment, this big kind of like test case of, okay. we know a bunch of stuff that is happening and we can, you know, probably work out 60 to 70% of what people will do. Um, if we take a certain course of action, um, if we go down a certain route. But that thirty percent, that thirty percent is always going to be like a little bit of a guess. But it's in that thirty percent where you kind of like get.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I don't think it, it's always just digital strategy where that thirty percent exists. I mean, dear listener, if you're if you're hearing this now, we're recording mm-hmm. at the end of July, which is still COVID nineteen season in the world in twenty twenty, yeah. and it's like, you know, there were there were very few organizations like Wimbledon that had a pandemic insurance, for example, like there's, there's like, there's bits of stuff that will always catch you unexpectedly.
1: It's how you set up for it though. Right. So, um, there is, um, I was reading today about, uh, how Lego have like the most popular brand channel on YouTube.
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: Um, um, and, uh, you know, when asked by, you know, one of the, um, when asked by, you know, one of the people go, this is great, you know, how YouTube can, yeah, sorry, LinkedIn can be like a bit syc- sycophantic, um, um, just very simply the kind of like, a marketing director, I think it was, um, when asked, you know, how are you doing so well, but why are you doing so well, um, in these, in these pandemic times, um. And they just went. He just said, "Yeah, a strong strategy, you know, well executed." Um, yeah. And if you have that, uh, and you are able to like do that, you know, that kind of like know thyself and also be true in how you, um, how you kind of like execute that communication strategy. Well, and it doesn't have to be strategy, right? It just might be operations. Yeah. And you make a really good point about it's not just about you know what you would box in the strategy. Um, uh, I often talk about just like brand design, right. Um, which is everything from communications to like operations to like people, um, product, all of this, all of you know, all the things that make a make a company. Yeah. Uh, And there's a reason why there's a reason why Amazon's doing really well.
0: Because,
1: you know, they, it's not because it's not really because of their, monopolistic um, um, uh, attitude, but it's really because they've kind of like set up for a variety of scenarios um, and tend to execute what they do do and what they do decide to invest in really well. And there's a reason why Lego is um, um, uh, uh, so loved because, you know, they're very kind of like simple with their communications. It's all about playfulness. Yeah. Um, and they're very kind of like consistent and uh, open and accessible in their kind of like communications. And it doesn't matter whether you're uh, you know, a six-month-old or a 60-year-old, it's kind of a little bit clear what that, the role of the product could be in your life. Um, 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 and so I think whilst you can't predict the future, you can for sure set yourself up well for
0: yeah. No, you can't predict the future, but like, and humans, you know, you made a, a really good point. And I think it's like, it's a point that's fairly simple, but easy to overlook. And that is that like, all of these things are about people. And that's like, whether or not it's working together to put great strategy and great ideas and great products and services into the world, or like finding, you know, uh, finding an audience for those things. It's, it's like, people is at the heart of everything, and people are a weird little you know we're weird little creatures, and we're, but are we', are we? <laughs> I mean the people that i've the people that I know and love are definitely weird and quirky, and it's like sometimes they're predictable in their quirky strangeness, and like you know that makes them deeply lovable in lots of ways um but it's like i I think that stuff's really interesting to like. Uh, you know, as long as you keep that at the heart of your thinking and your planning. I
1: think, I think you hit on the the bit that actually is the unpredictable side, right? Which is uh, everyone is weird. Totally. But we are now in a place where you can predict huge swaths of people's behavior. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with, you know, a fair degree of uh, certainty. Um, And so you have like this oxymoron where um, things are becoming, you know, ways of communicating and engaging with people are becoming more predictable. But the things that um, we use to almost like gauge that predictability enhances like the weirdness. And so then stranger things happen, (laughs) if you know what I mean. Uh, it's a little bit of a kind of like, uh, like we say, like a bit of an oxymoron. And I think that's, uh, and I think that's, it's almost like beautiful, but also pretty ugly and, um, difficult to manage at the same time. And you made like, kind of like, it's, it's really, um, it's really, uh, uh, how shall I say? It's really, um, Put in that put in that uh if we talk about if I look at my course, for example, um when you're talking about activation and you're talking about, you know, how to write a brief and how to use data and de- and decision in decision making. Um uh, all of these things are kind of like an approximation. Yeah. Um, um and so along with like the um strategic intent, um there is something to be said uh, of having strategic instinct for things. Um, uh, uh, And that just goes back to, you know, that combination of, you know, people, um, uh, the kind of like uh, environment uh, that your communications or whatever it is, is going to kind of like live in. Um, uh, And also a little bit of, you know what might happen, um, yeah, okay, um so yeah, I think it's I think it's like not a you know strategy is on one hand kind of dry, but the flip side of it, if done well, is you know pretty organic as well, yeah,
0: do you think there's certain? Her, obviously, you've probably—I'm sure—you've worked with a whole bunch of people on a whole bunch of projects, and also like with your teaching work through Bergs. Do you think there's people that are innately better suited to strategy? I, look, the reason why I'm asking is I get this question all the time, and that is like, are are people born more creative, or do they have more creative personalities, or is that, or are they kind of skills that you can develop and? Test and practice and refine over time. How, what, what's your take on the strategy version of that question? Uh,
1: I love that question because um, um, it does make you think about certain certain attributes that give you a better chance to that give you a better chance to be um, really good or to excel at a certain things. Uh, five Minutes of the future is actually a book that I've, uh, referred, um, and read, uh, several times over the last few years. Um, and what intrigued me about it, and I can't even tell you why I, I, I looked for it, but what intrigued me was, um, in, the you know, the midst of the digital revolution that was happening, you know, seven, eight years ago, um, what popped out was, um, the, uh, the kind of like purpose of the book, right, which is about outlining specific cognitive abilities that will be um, uh, really sought and cultivated by leaders in the years ahead. So that means to say leaders of organizations and entities um, will really – uh look uh respect and nurture these types of minds because they they feel like they're uh, uh suited for the you know technological age that we're in and there are five of them um there's the disciplinary mind um which is about the mastery of major schools of thought um science mathematics history you know professional crafts there's the creating mind, right? So, you know, the capacity to uncover and clarify new problems, questions, and phenomena. The respectful mind, um, which is all about the awareness and appreciation for differences among human beings and certain groups. Um, the ethical mind, fulfillment of responsibilities of the worker and as a citizen. And then the one... Um, that I think is the most relevant for um, brand strategy is actually the synthesizing mind. So that's the ability to integrate ideas from different disciplines or spheres of um, um, spheres of life into a coherent whole. You know, you know, the ability to make something which looks completely disparate um, appear as you know a single narrative or like a single red thread. Um, and you know, that's the one I feel that strategists really need to, um, um, uh, that's the one that strategists uh, in certain organizations, um, uh, are really kind of like stronger. But if you think of those other minds there, you know, back to your original question, um, those other minds depending on your organization would make you a fantastic strategist, right? So if you are at Patagonia, then. Actually, it might not be so much the synthesizing mind; it might be the ethical mind, um, um, or it might be the respectful mind that makes you a good strategist. There.
0: Okay, so looking at more of the psychological, like basis of action or that kind of stuff. Exactly.
1: Exactly. And I forget the other the the other three. Um, um, uh, but it what it was what it was trying to kind of like get at is that. These are like the minds which you have to kind. Of, you know, there are certain applications of these minds okay. that are going to be better um, at certain um, at certain types of jobs, and that's what I kind of think about the like strategy. So it it doesn't like say that if you're like this, then you're not going to be any good at the strategy. And I think the same thing with creativity. Yeah, right? totally, totally. It's like, oops, what is creativity? Well, you know. Um, it, everyone is creative in some way, shape, or form. Uh, then it becomes time about the application, the opportunity, um, all of that kind of stuff. You know, if you never give someone a guitar, they, yeah. you know, <laughs> or they never like see one or can never play one, um, you don't know if they're going to be like, they've actually got the ability to be the best guitarist that the world has ever seen.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's like a, it's that whole thing of like you don't know how many Jimi Hendrix or Kurt Cobains existed without a guitar, or like you know the people that didn't have the means or the opportunity. Um, it it can make your head kind of bend if you think about that stuff.
1: It does. It it can do, and it also makes you think about yourself as well. So that's actually a, you you make me think about a good point. One of the things that we've that I've noticed over the years of doing this course is that it often becomes a bit of a voyage of discovery for the students. Yeah, I can see that. Um, because you're, you're constantly through the course, and maybe it's the way I teach it, I'm not sure, but you, you, you're constantly kind of like questioning um, how you go about things. Because I, I do, the way I set up the course is less about this is the way to do brand strategic planning, or this is the way to approach brand design. This is how you do research methodology. Rather, what I, how I'll do it is um, I kind of say, right here is why you need to do this thing. Yeah. Um, here is the impact and the benefit for any organization. And here are some ways of doing it. Um, here's how I do it yeah um and then right so here is a here is a uh uh here is a, a an assessment or i forget the right word um here's an assignment sorry yep here is an assignment um to do this thing um and here are some ways pick which one best suits you
0: yeah, it's really um, it's interesting that you say that because like as a as a creative working with strategists, you kind of start out thinking that strategy is gospel, especially if you start working with senior strategists who who have a little bit of grey hair and they kind of come across they're very confident, often with an English air to their voice or whatever. They take it very seriously. Yeah. And it's like you kind of you could easily mistake Strategy for being a, the single right approach. And it's like, I think the one thing that you do Absolutely. notice when you work to make stuff that is interesting in the world is that like it's closer to like a good strategic response is closer to a good creative response. Like there's mm-hmm. lots of ways to do it well mm-hmm. and there's lots of tools and it's pretty subjective. And yes, you, you know, you can validate with testing and data and research, and all that kind of stuff but like there's lots of good ways of answering strategic uh questions and setting
1: a strategic direction um there you you are 100% correct um and i really vibe on 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 what you just said there because um in um it's really strange when you uh, look at the role of strategy in an advertising agency versus the role of strategy or someone who has that responsibility within a company yeah um, yes you, you, you know what I mean yeah they're um, two
0: very different they're the, if two they're not really two pla- if they're not two planets they're two different coasts of the same country
1: exactly exactly and and I feel that the role of um, strategy in uh, advertising companies has been really kind of like siloed and boxed into that definition that you had that you said at the start, right? Which is this is the right way and therefore um, this is how you translate that into this type of creative response and that's it.
0: Yeah, it can feel really defensive and it, it can feel kind of defensive and, uh, yeah, which is weird because, like, the, like you, you work with a whole lot of strategic people that are smarter and better
1: than doing that to themselves. It's, it's I think a lot of it has come from the, um, has come from the, what advertising agencies sell or have sold in the past. Right. Yeah. So um, you have like these deliverables or these things that you've convinced other companies are valuable. Um, You know, someone who's like, right, this is the way to go. And someone goes, okay, so here's like the uh, pretty moving pictures or the lovely UX or whatever it is. Um, And you're ticking these things off against some invoice. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, And I feel that that uh, way is dying. Um, uh, hopefully, it. and yeah, hopefully, right. Um, uh, I still think it's like a significant business, but I think I feel the businesses that do stri- strategy well, um, or who are who are how would I say, kind of like successful at changing their um, clients' businesses, have a more holistic approach. Yeah, um, uh, they're a bit more of the. You know, I feel that they sit more in the kind of like pentagram idea, RGA, AKQA ways, versus um, and even something like TWA. I'm sure these like mean nothing to anyone, <laughs> but if you're listening to this, look those up because they're they're they uh, they are really good strategic partners, um, and you can see that in the efficacy of the work and what their clients say about.
0: Yeah, um, I mean the I thing didn't... that makes those guys interesting is that they do, like they don't feel feel like they have constraints where they get to color in a very limited part of the world. They feel like they feel empowered to kind of consult or advise or develop strategy for lots of different stuff. So, you know, into products and changing them and making the best product to like, you know, to kind of business development stuff and what they mean in the world for real
1: people absolutely um they go a little bit beyond um and they execute well um there's there's a thing that there's a there's a survey that i think it's Gartner that does this uh, like you know the most innovative agencies um, yeah. yep and there is a um i think the axes is you know almost like like the the strength of uh, imaginative thought versus the um ability to execute um and that kind of like goes back to you know the you know the, the definition of strategy that we were talking about right it's like right okay what do, what do i think my goal is and where do i think i'm going and that's the imagination part yeah um, and then there's the kind of like getting there and, and beyond which is like the execution part um, and you do need to do both of those things. Yeah, there's, I
0: mean, there's clear, I mean, there's clear phases of like thinking and then doing, and there's a, there's a, an infinite kind of gradient between those two things as well. So it's like it's how you transition. You know, it's like it's really interesting when you look at the world and you're like, that was a great idea that was poorly developed, or that's a beautiful something that's kind of lacking some strategy, and you see examples of it
1: everywhere. You do. Um, and unfortunately, uh, <laughs> I've got a couple of examples uh, uh, from the recent past. Uh, and, you know, I have this uh, design and technology um, uh, firm here in Amsterdam. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, you, you, often you have companies which talk about their successes and aren't oh, we great at doing our job and we've won this and we won that. Um, not so much what the failures were. Yeah. <laughs>
0: right? yeah
1: even if it's, you know, like the, the the perceived wisdom these days is, you know, it's like, you know, spend as much time studying your failures as you do your successes. Because um, one, you don't get the other without the other. It's
0: very funny. There's this kind of like Californian startup culture thing that's like, you know, uh, you're more likely to get funded or backed or trusted or believed in if you failed. And it's the whole kind of move fast and break things. And if you're going to fail, fail quickly. But it's like it doesn't translate to lots of existing companies or organizations or governments very well. Mm. And I don't know why, Mm. like, I don't know why there's such a reluctance to flag failures because really they're kind of like there's a whole lot of learnings you can take forward so they're not total failures there's they're just like they're just half successes or slight successes so i I don't know what that reluctance is
1: you know um i think it's really it's uh psychological because you bring up a great point um and i think it is one of the main things if we you know just bring it back to strategy for a second um that has kind of held strategy back so there's this inherent there's this inherent um belief desire call it what you will that if you have a strategy it has got to be right and so everything that you do um is really trying to reinforce you know what that strategy or that strategic direction or what that decision um, framework was um, even in the face of overwhelming evidence that it wasn't it's not the right thing to do yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) yeah Mm. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah it's really true it's really true it's like it feels like it's chiseled into stone it was you know maybe moses brought it down from the mountaintop it's like it's like it's simply not a lot le- like it, the whole test and learned thing can i don't know it's such a why i don't know is it just because it's such a serious word it's a serious
1: word you're right it is um um and Uh, and it's the meaning that we, um, put into it. Um, and I think that's also the thing of, I think that's also the thing to really, not just, you know, strategists, but anyone working with anyone who, um, uh, has that responsibility or that name is to like, it's almost like you need to encourage what the, almost like the spirit of the direction is. Yeah, exactly. Because if you because if you get the spirit of what it is you that you know this person or these people are saying you should do then like you we were talking about earlier you get that you get that kind of like uh flexibility that kind of like bandwidth um to go towards that spirit and i often talk about strategy being defining like just kind of like the shape of things yeah um and the kind of like the, 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 tone, the color, the, the, you know, the physicality of it, um, the, you know, like the details, um, even like the form of the shape, um, is what you do with it if you like. Um, and we can think of like loads of companies that have like, you know, they have like good strategy and they have good communication strategy. Um, uh, and that's where, you, and you know, best ones are like fairly generous so that generations <laughs> yeah. of people, generations of craftspeople, creatives, copywriters, art directors, developers, whoever it is, can take that kind of the spirit of that strategy uh, and make something really good.
0: Oh. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it, it's, a, that's a very interesting point. It's kind of, it's a very broad brush. And it's like, it's like, I guess it's, you want strategy that is fairly concrete because concrete mm-hmm. things are good because you can get a whole bunch of people with a whole bunch of backgrounds to kind of get the vibe, but mm-hmm. then you don't want to, you know, you know, you kind of want to do it in pencil so that it's not completely locked in or inflexible. And it's hard. It's, I can imagine that as a, as a strategy person, that can be a really, it can be a tightrope uh, that's very difficult
1: to walk sometimes. It is. Um, and I think, uh, I think you put it perfectly um, because it is kind of like, hey, we're going this way, right? And yeah. often you have to like, remind, look, we're kind of going this way. Yep. Um, um, and the, at the same time, you still need to be able to think about who it is that you, you know, the strategy is meant to be leading, right? And informing. Um, um, and you know, like in a, I have, I have uh, almost as many types of creative briefs as I have for types of people, basically. Yeah. It used to be like, you know, keep it to two pages, keep it to one page, make it a, you know, make it a presentation, show some pictures, show some detail, you know, give me some data visualizations. All of this, you know, it's kind of like gone in like waves of like trains of communicating <laughs> with people. Um, but I've that's been, the whole I've been thing. on
0: both sides of that little discussion. I promise. <laughs> both sides of that meeting room, absolutely.
1: <laughs> and it's like, yeah, but the brief said this, or it didn't say this. And it's like, okay, but that's not what we're talking about here. What we're actually talking about, or what we're, the challenge we might have is how do we communicate that spirit? The yep. stuff that it really needs to like communicate to an audience um or what we are asking people to do um um, and if you get that then right okay then let's go um yeah yeah.
0: completely great now, Michael, I've got one question for you. Your course is sure. called Digital Strategy. Mm. Do we do we still need, like, in the year 2020, when we're all stuck at home and chained to our laptops and staring into Zoom calls, and our it's easier to make a note on your on a on a on a digital device than find a pen and paper. Do we can we drop the D word? Can we drop digital? Um, can
1: we drop the D word? Um, I mean, we can I, cut
0: this whole section out if you want. That's completely up to you. Uh,
1: no, no, no. I think this is. I think this is great. Uh, not least because you know Marco, head of school, uh, head of the international school. He and I had this conversation. Um, oh, you should be very good at it, this then. very point. Um, uh, I wanted to drop it, um, and then I wanted to call it something else, and then we had like loads of various. Now, should we just call it brand strategy? Should we call it brand design? Um, uh, is it technology-driven strategy because that's where we are and that's maybe the emphasis of the course. Um, But it came down to a couple of things, Um, actually. One, you know, making it really clear that there's an emphasis on digital with this brand strategy. Yeah, okay. um, Which so that it's what we're selling. Yep. Um, And then there's the second part, which is, okay, but who do we want to... Um, uh, who do we want to, uh, get on the course actually? And specifically we kind of, um, this course works really well for like professionals who, um, really want to re-up or introduce themselves to the digital and technology aspects of brand strategy. Um, um, I think it's a little bit like, um, if we're talking about semantics, it's a little bit like, say, do we really need to still call social media me- social media?
0: Yeah.
1: Isn't it just media now? Yeah,
0: no, I agree. I, I, I mean, we've all had these conversations.
1: Um, uh, and, is, it's the, and it's exactly the same thing. Well, actually, when you talk about social media, we're talking about a certain type of media, right? Um, uh, and then you go, oh, okay, so then tradition. <laughs> like, we're well, what's traditional about HBO? I, um, yeah, I
0: don't know. I just I, I think the distinction with social media is still a relevant one because like it, it, no matter how you get your HBO or your TV or your Netflix or whatever, it's still mm-hmm. different to YouTube because I can. It's YouTube. There's comments and it's easy to kind of reply to things. It's still. It's a bit more of a dialogue between you know sender and receiver. Whereas mm-hmm, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I make a a, a pithy reply to Netflix.
1: So that's a really good point. So if I'm on, uh, and I really, uh, I've not thought about it that way. Question for you: So if you're on Daily Mail Online, which I hope you never will be, because it's full of. Fascists. Um, <laughs> but just um, but... just
0: uh, for any listeners out there, we're a decidedly anti-fascist organisation, as much as as much as we can
1: be. Um, uh, as much as we can be. Yeah. Um, uh, but let's say you know they're one of the biggest. They're one of the biggest. Um, uh, one of the biggest uh, Their numbers at the sides. moment are gangbusters. I yeah. and going through the roof, and they yeah. always have been. Yes. And you can comment on it. Because that's one of the reasons why it is. Is it social media? Yeah. You know, people can talk on it and you have like, a, you have like the dialogue backwards and forwards and so on. Um, is that social media? And that's the way I think it is. It's, it's a little bit about the, I would, I would argue that most people wouldn't say daily mail online. is social media, even if it has no. some traits of it. Sort of, um, and sometimes words are just a little bit useful for people to kind of, like you've just demonstrated, right? to put, like, um, in, in a little bit of a box. But I'd also say you're fundamentally, and this is the one thing of the course, and it's actually a little bit of a contradiction. The fundamental thing in the course that, uh, uh, that I communicate, I believe, is that everything is digital. Now, basically, everything is kind of like technology-driven. There's no aspect of uh, trying to create a strategy for a business in this day and age that doesn't involve some aspect of digital. So you're, you're, you're completely right. Um, but at the same time, it's it kind of had it.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, like it, this, the year 2020 has kind of just accelerated that stuff even more. I mean, you know, the trend was there. The, that was the reality last year. Now it feels like
1: 130% the reality. Yeah, even more so what do you I've got a question for you actually which um, um, uh, well that's not in my uh, contract yeah <laughs> we'll get you know get get, a, <laughs> get get your agent on the case mm. um what, what do you think um being a um being a creative creative director um is the role for data in creative
0: so i've like I've worked with lots of people who are highly analytical uh and There's a, I mean, the, yeah, good. It's a really good question. I think there's a big, I think data is really useful because it helps you test and learn stuff. I think you need to be really good and really smart to turn data into insights. And Mm. I think data is what, like pretty massively subjective or open, open to interpretation. And I think, I think, Uh, I think you want a mix of people that are highly analytical, but also that kind of have that emotional, that kind of EQ quality to them to Mm -hmm. then Mm divine insights that are useful. I hate when people trust bad numbers blindly. And I think- Like, lots of creatives will have examples to that just because they're counterintuitive to, like, human behavior and psychology, but because Mm -hmm. they're reflected in some pretty bad methodology of numbers or reports, um, you know, it's hard to argue with it. But it's like, I mean, like, we live in a world where that's very much a a player at the table and it's like as a creative, you kind of need a response to that to support or argue against mm-hmm, something. But mm-hmm, it's like, mm-hmm. it's very interesting, but it's like, I think people think it's a slam dunk to be able to look at a whole bunch of reports and data and graphs and stats yeah. and analytics and all that kind of stuff and work out what that really means.
1: Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Um, and I think the people that are very good at reading that are really – Good at being human and working with other humans and for other humans, and are and just don't blindly follow the conclusions.
1: Do you, do you think any um, any kind of creative decision should be data driven? And when I say creative decision, I mean okay, we're going to go with this kind of like story, this narrative. Um you know with a feeling for you know how an audience will respond to it versus another um based on like a set of numbers.
0: yeah i mean i think that should be a part of the mix but it's like i think all good creative decisions um are just are made by small or small groups of people or single groups of people and that they're, they're they're opinionated and they need to be kind of bold and in, lot, in a world that's kind of like, you know, your news feed, your Instagram, your TikTok is flowing by quicker than you could ever comprehend it. Like mm-hmm, to, mm-hmm. to get attention, you kind of need to be a little bit counterintuitive to how you approach the world. Yeah. So it's like, it's definitely a yeah, part yeah, of it. Yeah. I think there's a lot to be said for like, a friend of mine works at BuzzFeed, uh, they write articles. They all have to write four headlines, and then depending on which one, which headline performs better in the first couple of hours, becomes into the headline for the article. So it's like right. there's a there's a whole bunch of like ways to use it as an assistive technology. But I don't know. I, I'd I'd kind of I kind of back humans with good ideas to to be interesting for other humans. Hmm.
1: Interesting. I think it's a real challenge um today with um with you know the onset of uh artificial intelligence um the I would say the productization of communication. Yeah. Um where everything's like a bit more like an iteration or optimization of of you know like a kind of like cool um a cool kind of like a message or thought. Um um, yeah, totally. I think there's like, there's a
0: whole bunch of stuff that like, I think if you're a creative or if you work in the communication or creative industries, I think you might be doing yourself a disservice if you think that creativity is the domain of humans. It's like, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a whole other world and, uh, you know, a whole other 15 episode podcast series, but it's like, <laughs> I think there's definitely a role for for systems to create interesting combinations of stuff. But then I think there's a, right. an, a role for a creative director, a creative, a strategy person, or, or real humans to kind of come along and, and separate the wheat from the chaff to pick out the stuff that's actually interesting.
1: I think you, you um, uh, touch on a really interesting area, which is what is the, the team and the group of people, but also maybe machines? Are yeah. uh, needed for you know effective, um, and I use the word effective, right? Uh, communications, uh, going forward. Um, who do you need? Who, do, who which company? Well, you I mean, know, I just, I, th- I
0: think it's like, I think if you look at, I'm sure if you look at the cultures or places where you've done the best stuff, those teams are fairly dynamic and those. You've probably worked like when I've done my best work and I'm sure in some ways you can relate, you work with people that are just nice and Mm -hmm. good and just like not jerks about being right or wrong. So they're, they're just like, they're good people to collaborate with. Um, They're, they're not, um, they're not overly protective about their, their area of expertise so you're you're working with strategy people who are very open to hearing other other um you know potential options for strat- strategic directions mm-hmm. um you know likewise you're working with creatives who uh, can take feedback and take suggestions from lots of different places, and the, like those teams are kind of dynamic. And the one really, the one thing that I really like about Bergs, and this might be on account of its uh, super Swedish location, and but that is like hierarchically, it's really flat, and that means that you don't the, the silos are less pronounced or less intimidating or less stupid. <laughs> Whereas, like, right. if you like, I've worked in London a little bit. I've worked in Paris a lot. Uh, you know, those silo, those people are a bit more. They kind of stay in their lane a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And like, there's times where that's useful, and there's times where that's not. But it's like, good good professionals are usually pretty dynamic. What What do you think?
1: Um, I think there is a. <clears throat> My, my my point of view is that there are going to be different structures um, um, of teams based on basically based on uh the kind of like uh media and kind of like communication environment of today and tomorrow. Yep. So um, I, I'll almost like start a little bit at the end. Um, so, um, from a, what are people doing, saying, responding, um, uh, buying all of that stuff when they actually engage, whatever it is that, you know, the team's kind of like, uh, uh, put together and sent out into the world. That's um, interesting. You basically need to like, listen, you need to watch and listen now. Um, and you need to like watch and listen with, um, knowing what the, um, the original intent was, uh, having empathy for, uh, for, uh, uh, people and, you know, people's situations, um, and also having a certain perspective on how you are going to take what you've listened to and what you're going to do with it. Yeah, it's funny.
0: It's funny that you say that. that like that listing is really the thing. A, f- a friend of mine once described strategy as like people watching professionally. So it's like you're just right. kind of like you're observing like people doing their funny little people stuff, and you're sitting quietly in a cafe taking notes on society.
1: Exactly, um, almost like professional stalkers, right? um uh, it's
0: it's okay to say the um the the bad tabloid newspapers of london yeah absolutely
1: yeah absolutely (laughs) Uh, i mean that's uh how you kind of like find stuff out right um but then working back um and this is why i think this is um um maybe a bit more of a shift which is we now have this uh, environment which is becoming more diverse and more um, uh, and more immersive as well yeah. in terms of like the communication um, uh, uh, media that are used in some way to you know, talk to people and get them to do stuff and engage. You yep. know, whether you're talking about everything from gaming to podcasts like this, um um and so on and so on. Uh, and I get and I feel that because these uh these are now kind of like so diverse and you know what constitutes quality um uh you know a quality experience is now you know the bar of it so high it's only gonna get you know higher and deeper and all of that stuff. Yeah. Is that you need i think you need uh, people who um are a hundred percent focused and also people and maybe things that are a hundred percent focused on creating that experience um almost where you know the the mind or you know the algorithm is focused on the quality and the craft of the thing that people engage with yeah um, uh And then of course you have, okay, what is it, what is it they're created? Um, then you have, you know, for want of a better phrase, storytellers. Yeah. Um, Um, and the storytellers, um, are taking the shape, um, of, uh, and the kind of like direction, um, uh, and are responding to the world, um, and um, are you know making something which can be you know executed in a way that is um, uh, in a way that makes sense for the for whoever it is you're speaking to in whichever environment that they um, uh, whichever environment that uh, the story needs to be told. And I feel that the the the, the thing that these storytellers need to have is. A little bit of, um, if you had to like group the storytellers, mm-hmm. I think increasingly you need more and more expertise in the environment that your story is going to be told. Yeah,
0: you, I mean, you need to know the conventions. You know, you need to know the the the, the written rules, the unwritten rules, the the mode of communication, the style. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And it's like, you know, and this this that almost reminds me of like the the good or bad old habits of cross-posting stuff. And it's like, no, stuff that worked on one social channel doesn't translate because mm. it doesn't quite fit the vibe of another. Exactly.
1: exactly. Yeah, so that's a really good example. It's- um, and that's why you actually need people who kind of understand the vibe of this and that. Um, it's a, you know, I was speaking to a copywriter. Uh, sorry, a wannabe copywriter. She's about to graduate um, the other day. Um, and I, one of the things that she was asking me about, okay, so what's, you know, a piece of advice going forward is, you know, be a copywriter, don't know where I want to work and so on. And I, and I actually said, yeah, you really need to, you need to think about the technological environment that yeah. whatever copy you are creating is going to live in and everything that goes around that, basically. Because the days of sitting in a, advertising agency uh, or in an organization and writing one thing and knowing that one thing is going to work everywhere, you know, them days are over.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, and it's like, we've, we run a UX writing course here. And mm-hmm. while I personally don't want to be a UX writer, I think the thing that's really fascinating for that is like, there's such a big focus on the context and the constraints, because it's or else like, you can easily find mm-hmm. yourself getting into weird manifesto territory everywhere, or, you know, just weird, bad, generic, broadcasty, or bad. Yeah, t- yeah, totally. I can, I can definitely see that point
1: i've got I've got a thing that I, I I wanted to get your thoughts on um which is everything around purpose, oh god right
0: right <laughs> I'm like you know that I'm Australian and you know that my yeah. pur- like my purpose is like warped from a European perspective, but continue yes
1: so um so purpose has become you know one of the um, you know, something that the odd company used to extol as yep. here's who we are and why we're doing it uh, something that's been broadly kind of like, uh, um, accepted as, you know, ways of companies differentiating themselves from each other. Um, but the fact that I kind of think everyone's doing the same thing at the same time. Um, my question to you is, is. Is purpose a constraint on creativity? So,
0: I mean, often it ends up being tone or attitudinal and it kind of affects that stuff. I mean, like, honestly, if I were to speak openly with my creative brothers and sisters in the world Mm -hmm. uh, and I wasn't on a podcast, we'd probably (laughs) agree that a lot of it, unless it's really good and really... Uh, there is a distinct point of difference and you have a BMW uh, Lego uh, Apple Google level of of purpose or point of difference in the world it's kind of BS or it's kind of it's right. kind of it, it just feels like people that are a little bit jealous about other people's very meaningful businesses and organizations right. and then it just gets into like weird generic territory so it's i feel like it gets ignored a little bit or reverse right. engineered or you know uh, into into presentations of the work i don't know i just, i find it really tr- i find it really annoying that everyone needs to have that massive purpose for existing because mm-hmm. it's like it just doesn't stand up to like common sense, sometimes.
1: I think it's um, it's, it's it, it, I think it's really interesting, and the reason why I ask actually is because um, that's going to be uh, one of the uh, parts of um, the course, which is you know all around, um, if you like, uh, frameworks, right? Which then go into like communication systems, uh, and I'm really interested in to, interested in how. People have to like use those frameworks to like create communications. Um, Kind of like see it. Do they see it as an enabler, or do they see purpose as a as a constraint that basically affects the tone, uh, affects you know where a, a brand or a company can play, and really most importantly affects really the the almost like the the believability of the. The, the communications, right? Because yeah. none of this purpose says, yeah, we're here to like make money and, you know, if you're Shell, right, you've got a lovely yeah. purpose, but you're basically, you know, raping the, the world um and extracting as much stuff for as as much profit as you can. Uh, apologies to anyone from Shell might be listening, but but that you know that's kind of quite far from the purpose. But they'll have like something relatively lofty. And,
0: yeah, I guess um, that's my issue is when it's not
1: plausible or believable.
0: And it's like right. people feel like it needs people, like organizations often feel like their purpose needs to be at the upper <coughs> echelon of human. Endeavors, or at the very top right. of Maslow's hierarchy of of needs and all that kind of right, stuff. Right, right. Whereas, like sometimes I just want like uh, cleaning products that save me time and let me do the stuff that I want. Right, no, it's like, right, it's like you know, I've worked on financial services and with banks, and it's like I don't like. Is it even possible to love a bank? Like I just <laughs> want to be like, can't like can't we just have a relationship built on mutual respect?
1: Uh, or dislike, you know? Just, like,
0: <laughs> just like, it just—it just feels a lot to love your love your transaction bank account. It's like I can see why you could love your credit card. I feel like there's like that's a, a that's a bit more believable. Like you know, you can go to a, a exotic. Location and punish it and have all kinds of great experiences. I've worked on MasterCard and that's really fun. But it's like if you're your average everyday, like I need to go buy bread and milk at the supermarket, like I just, you know, it's, I think it's, it's where it becomes unbelievable and you can't really say it to your, to your partner, your friends with a
1: straight face or without them kind of laughing at you. I kind of like feel that um, it's only surface level. Oh, of course, it's lip service. Absolutely, it's and one of the ways that you know you kind of see it is um, uh, a little bit when you know one of your you know your friends or your colleagues moves from one company to the other. Okay. And whilst that you know company A is like yeah you know they like something they say we believe in this that and the other. And then they jump to the other place and then suddenly it's like, I love this company because, you know, this, that, and the other. And you're like, well, okay, um, actually you're, you're kind of like proving that these things don't really stick because no. if they really stuck, you would be going at company B. Company A is still amazing, <laughs> basically. Um, yeah, no, there's um, a
0: little bit of football kind of football Kaseem team. badge. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's I don't I don't know, and I think like smart creatives and smart strategy people see through that really easily. And the other thing that the other thing that's really good to remember is like consumers and humans are really smart, and they can they can smell it a mile away. So like you know whether or not it's there, whether or not Uh, purpose is an interesting constraint, I mean, I guess the answer is it can be. I think like as a rule, constraints are incredibly valuable as a creative or as a, as you're trying to springboard into interesting areas, you know, because the last thing you want is a, is a project that is, is too close to, to the whole, you know, do what you want kind of thing because then you're just shooting randomly in the dark. So constraints, like I'm all for constraints and I love constraints. Mm, Like whether or not that's a time constraint of like, can we see some concepts or stuff by Friday? Or uh, these are the very specific things that the work needs to exist within. Like Mm -hmm, to me, mm -hmm. that's really useful. And I think like, I think you can judge the quality of people by how well or how readily they are to to accept those constraints, mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Um, but yeah, the the purpose thing is tough. It's like, and it's like without specific examples, I think it's like, I think it's hard to, like, I mean, it's very case by case, and then it's like, and then often like you see a whole lot of purpose statements or purposes, and then you're like, okay, you're, you're three rewrites away from being really useful. Like, if I could just tone that. If I could just bring that down to earth, that's a useful statement.
1: I think you make a great point and it made me think of um, actually what's happening Um, if we're looking at, you know, how these kind of like um, brand frameworks and brand communication systems are put together. And what I think is happening is that people um, from a communication perspective are replacing purpose or replacing positioning with purpose. That's it. That's an interesting, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I've never thought about that. uh, And the, and positioning is what the is, is basically what the purpose is meant to do. Right. It's basically meant to go, right. This is who we are and this is how we do it. And this is maybe how we're different from other brands and companies who do what we do. Yeah. Um, and I think what the uh, the, the trap that um, I can see happening is that people are being a bit lazy with their position because they're essentially going, right, exactly what you said, which is, you know, we need this kind of, like, higher behavior which mm. sits in this moral ground, and therefore people are going to automatically think we are this that and the other um whereas what really needs to be done is the positioning part which is who we are this is how we do it um and this is how we're different um uh, and i think that will kind of swing back around actually um because when everyone talks about saving the world and no, look into the future yeah, I just, and diversity yeah. and all of that stuff. And then that starts creeping more and more into communications, and everyone talks like Patagonia.
0: Um, yeah, it's it makes my screen, it, it, it makes me, it drives me a bit bonkers sometimes because it's just like, like, it, it, you know, and it's it's no different than all the emails that our uh, long-suffering listeners received a few yeah. months ago, and that is like we're here for you in difficult times, and it's like, right. what what does that mean? <laughs> it's like you're my you're my email company. Like what? Like, right. Are you gonna yeah. are you gonna help what, what, me carry groceries home from exactly. the supermarket? Like me money? You know, yeah, totally. Like, you like know, do I not like, have to pay my bill? Like what what do you really like? What does that mean? And it's right, like, oh, right. it doesn't mean anything. It's like, it's empty rhetoric.
1: Um, yeah, I think it's like a, it's brand bullshit bingo, isn't it? Oh, 100%. It's like, 100%. What, is it, what, what is it that everyone's saying now? And right, okay, so let's say two. Um, uh, and yeah, like you say, people are genuinely kind of smart and they see it, but they still kind of like <laughs> buy into it anyway. Uh, yeah, and the Maybe. Whole, um, um, even if they don't kind of, like, believe it.
0: I mean, part um, of me thinks that, like, yes, organisations can be lazy and, yes, it's easier to just say something instead of doing it. But sometimes I think it's a bit of a sign that in in strategy they haven't worked out what this means in the world. So they've worked out, like, yes, we want to be more. I mean, the the easy... Huh. The easy one is like environmentalism and like just being a green organization because it's like, Mm -hmm, it's not, it's, I mean, is is it, it's not especially political in Europe. I mean, in the US, I think it's a little bit more political, but it's like, like the, the, the big consensus is like, uh, companies should be as green as they can be. And that's probably, we all probably agree that that's a good thing but it's no. like they haven't mm-hmm. worked out the bit between the strategy of being a more environmentally friendly company and how they do that in a sustainable mm-hmm. business way and that's mm-hmm. that's because that's the hard bit like the easy bit is writing the press release and writing the email the hard bit is like the hard bit is changing your product or changing your processes to mm-hmm. kind of reflect mm-hmm. those values and it's like mm-hmm. so there's a really big disconnect between like we believe in this and then it's like, but we still do that.
1: It's uh it's most apparent when you look at, you know, what's happening in um, uh, China and the Uyghurs.
0: Yes. And yep.
1: you see the list of companies that basically source their stuff from that part of China. <sighs>
0: Yeah, exactly. So it's like it's one thing to you know talk a really big game about human rights and Pride Month and Black Lives Matter, and then Mm. you know your values are very geographically selective. (laughs) Mm. And it's like I don't know, like I don't know if that's hypocritical, and I know that's really tough, and I don't understand any of these issues at a hugely deep level. But it's like there are certain conflicts there that are that are really tough if you highlight them.
1: I think conflicts and disconnects are a really good way to kind of like wrap up um, uh, or describe where we are at with everything uh, sustainability related. Um, We've just started working here in Amsterdam with a Formula E um, Ah, racing team. Um, And uh, it's uh, it's really interesting because um, like from top to bottom, their whole, no, you know, it's like their place in the, um, if you like, in the kind of like supply chain of, yeah. uh, uh, of, um, uh, how would you put it? Mobility Yeah, is to develop, um, electric engines or uh, technology to, um, to such a standard that basically it goes to every, you know, every car, every bike and so on, so on in the world. So like Westworld, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Um, and throughout the kind of like communication structure, it's, uh, and you can see it when you go into like the, uh, you go into the, um, uh, you go into like the, the formulary e website and you go to like the teams sites as well. Um, uh, it's all about climate change and it's all about youth and all of that stuff. Um, but the reality is is when you look at (laughs) everything that happens around the races and like the (gasps) VIP suites and the flying around from country to country and all of that kind of stuff and you go, right. Okay. uh, So, uh, uh, there's the message and then there's what you're doing. Nice.
0: Exactly. Like um, I used to. I, you doing I, I used to work on Formula One a little bit, and it's like right. th- you do some research, and it's like, well, these are just people that like racing. These are like they just like the action on this, the, you know, the ac- action and the spectacle of the sport. And it's like, to me, it feels like such a, like a little bit of a missed opportunity to pitch Formula E as like just a super conscious, uh, pastime or entertainment mode. When it's mm-hmm. like when really you're, you know that like, uh, it's really close racing because the cars are more similar than other forms of racing, and it's like right, right, right. So it's like it feels like you should just be really good at racing, and 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 let the sport just. I don't know. I, I would keep that environmental stuff as a secondary thing. I mean, I would I would lean on the the this is a this is the R and D for the world. I think mm-hmm. that's kind of interesting and uh, like a beautiful concept, but it's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it just, it feels like they're just, they're waving the green flag. I don't know. I don't
1: know. Well, I mean, there's, uh, I mean, um, it's, a, it's a funny one, right? So this isn't a, and I'm not into racing, right? Um, but I think it goes back to the heart of, if you're going to do what you're going to do, then do it as cleanly as sustainably as possible. Okay. And, yeah. yeah. Right. And so, okay, if you are going to, uh, you know, if you had to like make up Formula One today, you know, oh, like with complete. no issue or whatever, it would be Formula
0: One hundred percent. They, they would have kind electric,
1: of- electric batteries instead of like a, an internal combustion engine. Um, they'd probably group the you'd probably group the races in a way that you know you're not you know shifting you know tons of stuff from um, you know continent to continent kind of thing. Um uh maybe you do it as a virtual thing as well, right? So there'd yeah. be like an esports aspect to it. Um and so I kind of a little bit um see what Formula E is trying to do, but I guess that's back to the whole thing of um there's talking about sustainability and you know there's yeah. companies we work with that I can't mention. Um they talk about something and they do something kind of different and you know their challenges and you know their, uh, where they want to get to, but then you know, they have shareholders and they have tens of thousands of people to yeah. uh, pay every month. Um, uh, they have a demand for a product that if they don't fulfill demand someone else will probably, um, um, and maybe they won't do it in such a, sustainable way um so we are really at this kind of like transition i think but i don't see a future where everyone is 100% green no um,
0: and also like i just i think it's just like i think it will become table stakes for just being in business so i think like right i mean my dream would for it to be uh just um uh, so pervasive and so common that it was just a no brainer and yet you didn't even need to check so that you could stop talking about it and stop signaling it and stop having to consciously search it out that like companies were closer to Patagonia in their standards and their approach than, you know, than like than slightly nasty fast fashion.
1: Right. Like I think Uh, that would be kind of interesting. I don't know. Do you think, uh, like Burger King style, that some companies should be like calling out competitors for? Uh, I, uh, bad yeah, behavior? it's
0: like it's often seen as like I don't know either like ungentlemanly or unlike uncouth or a little bit ugly to do it. But it's like mm-hmm. I like Burger King uh, have have been pretty amazing over the last. I don't know, how long, a decade, 15 years? Yeah, like that, it's, a while it's been now. about
1: 10 years. It's been yeah, about exactly. 10 years since the King, right? Yeah, that totally. So, like, yeah. all
0: that great Crispin stuff uh, mm. a while ago, like, so they've they've just, I mean, they make hamburgers, basically, and they're mm-hmm. all, they're there's no, like, they're flame grilled. They're not massively differentiated. Um, it would be very hard to fall in love with exclusively a flame-grilled grill, Whopper and never walk into a McDonald's. So their differentiation isn't really their product, but how they talk about themselves and how they talk about their competitors I think makes them a little bit lovable or and at least a little bit interesting.
1: Absolutely. And um, I think that's uh, really key. Uh, and I think maybe it is a, it's disruptive, Right the way yep. that they decided to do it and if you just talk about kind of like communications and um maybe sustainability is i tell you who's closest to it at the moment Utley.
0: okay yeah so, oh yes a proud right? swedish uh, stalwart of exactly. the uh yeah, market
1: and yeah, yeah and just like got you know uh, i think now like a two billion valuation based on you know the, uh, I think like Jay Z and all the and all that stuff. Natalie Portman, because she seems to be everywhere at the moment. I've just invested in them. Um,
0: when I saw o- when I saw Oatly in uh, in the airport at Shanghai last year, I'm like, this right. brand has arrived.
1: Right. It's and it's been going since the 90s, right? And so it's like you've got this slow build. And actually, I think as a brand store, I'm just going to make a note as uh, as to use that as a. Yeah. use that as a case study. And I think it's like a prescient case study because you look at the communications, you look at yep. the, you know, the area that um, it uh, kind of like uh, serves. Um, um, and you also look at like the role of the consumer as well. I think it's really interesting. But anyway, they call out milk. Oh, absolutely. Right? So absolutely. You know, that's the thing. It's like, okay, we're not calling out a specific um, brand, but we're calling out this whole category you know, we're calling out dairy, Yeah. Um, um, you know, really quite uh, overtly. Um, And I find it really interesting that they're, uh, that they, um, so that's kind of like a sustainability message, right? Uh, As well as like a nutritional one and so on. Yeah. Um, Like just a wellness thing. But I find it really interesting that they're starting to do really well in the home of dairy, the U.S., you know the one place that would be the most resistant which has like organizations that are set up to like defend the fuck out of milk um and they're starting to do really well
0: like they can't they definitely <laughs> trade on the environmental impact and the health thing and there's also like a, there's a little bit of an undertone to like the ethics of farm like there's some ethical vibe stuff going on there as well but the thing right. that i think makes it acceptable is that and like i think burger king's really similar they just their tone is their tone is friendly and light and playful. So it's like it's like when you go for a drink with your friends or when you hang out with your friends. There's this kind of like friendly banter. Like it's not mean. It's just kind of playful. It's it's like it's like puppies playing together. So it's mm-hmm, like mm-hmm, it doesn't mm-hmm. feel. It's not over. It's not. It's not crazy, overt, or aggressive. It's just, it's kind of, it's lighthearted. I mean, it's its strategic as hell and it's premeditated as hell. And it's like, you know, they hit their talking points, but they do it with a tone that is, that's, that at least for me, makes it okay.
1: There's one um, uh, element of um, in the um, storytelling um, part of my course, which I bring out, which is... Um, identify your nemesis um, and and use them in a way that kind of like puts you forward as opposed to define what you're not yeah Uh, it's really hard to do and burger king and oatly are two really good examples of how you do that
0: I mean um, an enemy is a wonderful thing. I mean, yeah, I don't know if you course. saw the Michael Jackson I, Mike, I keep saying Michael Jackson all the time, Michael Jordan, the Chicago okay. Bulls last dance thing. <laughs> They're yet. two very Not different yet. two two very different people. But it's like uh have, <laughs> di- have you seen it? Did you watch I it haven't at all? I've seen
1: it, yeah. I've been saving it up for it sounds weird, but I'm a bit of a contrarian sometimes. Yeah, too, saving totally. up for when people stop talking about it. So I, I think that's perfectly acceptable. That's
0: so but the bit <laughs> that's kind of interesting about that is like Michael Jordan would use—he uh, would keep creating enemies in his mind to like right. kick the ass off. And it's like some of them were like shadows against the wall. Like some of them would just like like his teammates would kind of laugh about it. Uh, but it was super effective. And it's like mm. having an enemy is really good. Whether or not mm. that whether or not that enemy is just like being apathetic and watching too much Netflix when you wanna mm-hmm. kinda hit the gym a bit more, but like we all need an enemy.
1: We we all we all do, but there's one thing I, I would kind of like uh expand on upon that, which is my my um my thought is uh a little more than an enemy, it's a nemesis. Ah, uh, okay. Yes. So there's something about them that people recognise that helps define you, if you know what I mean, in a positive way.
0: Oh, um, see, that's a much more strategic way of looking at it.
1: Um, and and I find that kind of like useful because it helps you. It is back to that kind of like know thyself, right? Yeah. If you uh, and it's uh, and it just kind of like you know um, allows. And it's that point where it's it's like allows you to actually think of the positivity in like the messaging, and that's like kind of like super difficult, right? Um, um, So
0: yeah, yeah. No, they're really they're really interesting kind of strategic techniques
1: and tools to use. Indeed, and you know, there's like a few of those in um there's a few of them in the course um um and i think you can and that's what you know if we just get back to the course thing before we probably wrap up is like um uh there's it's not like this is like built like the course and it's much like most courses at berks right they're not like built for something specific it's more about like skills that you can use in order to um, do whatever it is that you do, right? And um, and because you just have like those kind of like principles of right, okay. So define your nemesis, you know, right? Okay, yeah. don't 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 mix up purpose with positioning, you know, stuff like that. It's like it doesn't matter where you work um, or what you do; uh, you can kind of like uh, apply them.
0: Well, and I mean, that's the one, really the goal. Yeah. yeah, exactly. The one great thing about getting good at that stuff is like, and I don't know if people talk about uh, talk about it enough, but like. If you get good at strategic thinking, you kind of get to apply it to all parts of your life and you make yeah, a whole lot absolutely. of like, you know, you end up buying that house in in Hackney or <laughs> Brixton or wherever, you know, you, yeah. take, you get better at taking your mum's advice as a teenager. Like you just like, you, you you know, you make your relationships with other people can be a little bit more mm-hmm. deliberate. The mm-hmm. quality of your vacations go up because you're, you know, you ask yourself like, what the hell do I really want to get out of? two weeks away from work, like it it helps you everywhere. I think it's super interesting.
1: Um, Life happens um, less to you, if you know what I mean. And, you know, you kind of like affect your life a little bit and drive your life a little bit more um, if you are a little more strategic about it, for sure. Absolutely.
0: That sounds like a really good place to leave it on those words of wisdom. Indeed. So, Uh, Michael, thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you uh been really uh uh really enjoyable i'm looking forward to like the next one where we'll probably delve into um or we'll delve into certain areas that are really uh important i think for the people taking our course um this uh this semester um and kind of like weaving them in because they're kind of inescapable i think um, yeah,
0: absolutely. Uh, so, really so the important. the approach at this stage is to is to take like single subjects and then just look at look at how strategy can help you negotiate those things.
1: Exactly, exactly. And subjects that um, are universal um, that are affecting everyone um, and every company.
0: Cool. Thank you very much.
1: Nice one. Thank you.